0: 720 WGN. Hello there. It's Amy Gooth. How's it going, everybody? It's a totally different time than I'm ever on, and I'm so glad to be here. This is a day before Thanksgiving. I love the eve of a holiday. Right? I love the day before because everybody's just dying to get into that holiday mode, but you can't do it yet. You still gotta work, you still gotta do some stuff, you gotta run errands, go to the store. Get food ready for all the people coming to your house, all those things. So it but there's this feeling people are starting to get the starting to get the holiday day, which I love. So there's that feeling. Um, but some of my neighbors, they are real gung ho, I gotta tell you. <laughs> they are so gung-ho. They are they were like putting out the Christmas lights and all the inflatable giant snowmen and toy soldiers in the yard. There I was like, I don't know, I don't know. This is probably a longer a longer conversation for the next hour when we have a little more time to talk about it but you know i I don't know what what are your thoughts here because i feel like let's do one holiday at a time before we you know i mean you know how it is you walk into the, the drugstore in september and you've got halloween and christmas stuff up so i'm not talking about retail i'm just talking about our houses do you think thanksgiving is too soon to put up your holiday decor i feel like put it up when it's because there's logistics to work around, right? If right. you've got a warm weekend, go for it. Don't wait for it to be cold, and then it's a terrible pain in the butt to put up your decorations. Uh, I don't know. I feel like put them up if you want to, but you don't have to light them.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I I definitely try to put my decorations up as soon as I can, but I don't always light them. But lately, I haven't been even plugging in my decorations to have them light up. I just feel like it's it adds on to my bill. And it's a lot of cords to work with to even get everything. So you don't to plug light in. it at all. Yeah, no. Last year when oh. I did my Christmas decorations, I didn't plug them in at all to light.
0: You know what? I I have a friend who did who who had a tree last year, uh, two years ago, and she just made like little um, white and gold and silver origami animals and put them all over the tree, and it was absolutely beautiful because she had the same thought that you did. She was yeah. like, I don't want to, you know, I don't need. It's not an essential type of electricity i don't want to mess with that right so i thought that it was very beautiful yeah, very but that simple. seems like a lot of work well there's that <laughs> origami that's true Doing i hear that word and i go no <laughs> not me i can't do it i can make three i can make the swan i can make the little the little box oh good for you and i can make a cat not very well
1: i can take a piece of paper and get a star for you oh that's okay i can make a paper going. airplane there you go. There I'm you not go. good
0: at... I can make them, but I can't make them fly. <laughs> there's that. No, no. That <laughs> they can not actually happens. fly. So there's that. There's that. Yeah, I've seen a lot of decorations up already. A lot. Outside, because I think it, we have the one week less uh, between true. Christmas and Thanksgiving. So a lot of people put them up early because they knew the weather was going to get bad and... You know, there's not a lot of time this year.
1: Yeah. I'm right now to panic. the weather is just too unpredictable. Like you don't know if it's gonna freeze over tomorrow or rain tomorrow to make the ground wet again.
0: I know, that's the thing. So I talked to one neighbor who was like, Well, I don't know what's gonna happen and I feel like it's dry and sunny right now, so I'm doing this. I'm going for it. So this neighbor has had um, quite quite an impressive array of, yeah. of holiday decor. I mean, there's an inflatable tree, an inflatable Santa, an inflatable um What am I saying? Snowman, (sighs) some toy soldiers, tinsel lights. I mean, I'm like, do you have anything left in your attic? Right there, it is. It's a lot. There's a lot going on there. And the the next neighbor always puts up a light up. It's Ralphie from Christmas Story with the pink bunny suit on. But it's a life size and it's light up.
2: Oh, that's hilarious. It's where,
0: so Where funny. Does one even find that. I have no idea where you find that. This person this neighbor does also he have the lamp in
1: the window too. Right. I need the lamp to be. In I've the seen
0: the lamp. Yeah. I've seen the lamp before for sale, but I've never seen a life size Ralphie, so you kind of do a double take when you walk by it.
1: You're I like, like, it's it. Ralphie in the pink bunny suit. <laughs> I like it. that's my favorite Christmas movie. Like it's I love to so put funny. it on the loop
0: it's i know i love the loop of it and that's i feel, feel like that and raising arizona are the two movies that i think i know every word of by heart yeah just because those are the ones that you know that are always just kind of randomly on or it's home alone, alone. home alone is one. always so good. on that's always. a good one and I like
1: polar express
0: i've never seen that really no it's I kind love of the dark express. isn't it is it I don't know. The, the The characters creep me out the way they move on Polar Express.
1: The characters are a little creepy. The they're guys that animation, give out the hot chocolate, they're a bit much. Yeah. But it's <laughs>
0: okay. Now I've got to watch this. It's like. kind of weird. It creeps me out. <laughs> yeah. I never. The one I never know when to watch is Nightmare Before Christmas because mm. it's both. So I usually that's I try to watch a lot of horror movies in October leading up to Halloween. So that's usually the one that I'm like, okay, I'll watch that in November because there's inevitably I don't it's get in between. Yeah, it's an yeah. in between it's an in-between for sure my daughter's favorite movie it's so fun Ooh. loves that movie i mean i do sing along i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i sing along i know all the words i may or may not this own the is soundtrack Halloween. and no it's so catchy and cute it's it adorable between that and baby shark i've always got one of those songs in my head lately
1: that's fair baby shark is definitely Don't a box. Say Don't that. say it
0: i know i was just oh. reminded of um this was it's just about a month old but there's if cnn has video of this of there was a protest happening uh in lebanon and this woman and her are Tiny toddler were, were trying to drive through the area, and there was a protest going on. And the protesters realized the child was frightened, and so they all started singing "Baby Shark" to him. <laughs> that
1: is the cutest thing. It's ever.
0: really, it's like okay, there's there's humanity going on, and you know, even in in places torn with strife, there's a lot going on. All right, well, you know what? We got to take a little break, but there's a lot going on on this show today. We've got uh, Heather Sharon is coming in. She is the managing editor and city hall reporter from the Daily Line. We're going to talk about some of those top. Big political stories locally here, state and city, that we just can't forget um, as 2019 rolled on and the, the big story she's going to be looking at at the year ahead. But before that, we're going to be talking with the folks from Wisco Pop. It is uh, a craft soda. They're based right here in the Midwest and they're going to be talking about some holiday drink recipes for us, boozy and non-boozy. So everybody gets a little something. So we'll take a break and we'll get to all that good stuff back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. All right, Amy Guth here with you till 12 o'clock doing all the things. We're looking back today, right? You know, it's that time of year where you kind of look back at what happened this year and what's happening in the year ahead. So coming up after the uh, 1030 news, we're going to be talking with Heather sharon who is going to be talking us through some of the big political news stories of the year and what she'll be watching in the year ahead and but right now we're joined by austin ashley who is the founder of wisco pop austin thanks so much for being with us today no, oh,
2: you bet. Thanks for having me, Amy.
0: Gladly. So, you know what? I, I think we talked years ago on the phone when Whisko Pop was a very, very new brand, but now I see it everywhere. You're doing all the things. You have all kinds of flavors and doing all all sorts of stuff with it, including some cool recipes for holiday drinks. Talk me through that.
2: That's, yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, this uh, we've grown significantly, like you pointed out, and we also have uh, not just sodas but we also have sparkling waters from made from real fruit juice now um and you were you were mentioning the cocktails right yes uh, yeah, so this, this holiday season we've been putting um, little cocktail cards in all of our uh, four-packs that we're putting on the the, sh- the store shelves for people to make drinks with. So you can make like a Moscow Mule with our ginger beer. Or if you're looking for something light calorie, uh, then you could use our Sparkle, which uh, we've got like a, a fizzy ginger gin drink on there.
0: Nice, and you know I gotta say yeah. it's the it's the grapefruit one that that won me <laughs> I'm grapefruit anything. Oh, I like, was like, oh man, that's so good,
2: yeah those it's got that one's got Texas ruby red grapefruit juice in it um, and you know that just has such a nice rounded flavor. it's not just completely obliterating bitter mm-hmm. uh, and, and so, that's my favorite to to oh, eat
0: nice so which one um what what should I make with that one for drinks, maybe people coming by that drink or maybe they don't drink?
2: Yeah, uh, we su- we suggest the Paloma. I mean, yeah, like you said, for people who don't drink, I mean, we're seeing like that. That's the trend, right? A lot of people are into non-alcoholic uh, beverages. You know, we don't put any additives or preservatives, so it's just like something you made at home. But if you're going to make a drink, I suggest using our our grapefruit soda um and making a Paloma. So that would have uh, tequila, cilantro, jalapeno, and then salted rim.
0: I'm, I'm into that. I, I can do that. Maybe I could just start that today. It's almost a holiday. It's fine.
2: <laughs> yeah, super. That's that would, be, that would be the way to get started.
0: Nice. And so tell me about the subscription service that you offer. I think that is so interesting. I love the subscription box space. I love subscription services. I just think that's such an interesting development that we've seen over the last few years with different products. But that's a thing yeah. people can just get delivered to their house.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, the the one the we we kind of put that on the website, f- particularly so because people really enjoy our ginger lime sparkling water, um, and that's the one that people mostly sign up for the subscription service. Um, but yeah, we started that probably about two two months ago, so you don't have to run to the store. You know, shipping's pretty cheap.
0: I just have to. I just have to worry about my neighbors stealing it off my doorstep. That's a thing in my neighborhood. You can't get any packages delivered. They'll steal my Whisco Pop.
2: Maybe you need to move to Viroqua, where it's easy. <laughs> so,
0: so you're based right there in, in Wisconsin. So yeah. we, a Midwestern brand, which I love talking with Midwestern brands, because we often think of, you know, the big, uh, you know, the big coast of that's where you go for all the things. But no, there's so much cool stuff right here. So I love talking with with local brands. How did your brand start? Remind everybody of that story.
2: Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just this also to say we, we live in Viroqua, Wisconsin, which is a town of about 5000 people. Um, and we, we moved here to this little small community because we, we thought it was like kind of a fun simple life here um, and they have really cool educational uh, options but so so at the same time I was you know, there's not a whole lot of work here uh, so I decided to start my own beverage company I thought oh I could go to farmers market and get a you know because job me, you know like a, a job here you're lucky to make like 10 bucks an hour uh, on a, on somebody who's not Uh, skilled okay so I decided to start my own business because I thought well I can make ten dollars an hour on my own that's pretty simple and so that's what I did and I think I made more than ten dollars an hour this year so that's good
0: nice good well I love your (laughs) your bio on the website it's it remains one of my favorite bios because it opens with this sentence Austin's culinary adventure started in 1998 when he got fired from a landscaping job for doing wheelies (laughs) in a caseloader yeah that'll do it yeah
2: Yep, I've always kind of been a fun seeker. I've always surfed and, uh, you know, like 4 by 4 trucks and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of made a lot of sense to get fired for something like
0: that. (laughs) Going out and doing the thing he loved.
2: yeah, 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 or doing something somebody's... <laughs> yeah, I like that fun. <laughs> sure. So,
0: um, so where can people go to find out more about Whisco Pop and and connect with you on social media and all that good stuff?
2: Yeah, yeah. To find Whisco Pop and Sparkle, our sparkling waters uh, made from real fruits, you would go to uh, WhiscoPopSoda dot and you can find us on Instagram underneath Wisco Pop and Facebook underneath
0: Wisco Pop. No Twitter. What is that? No, exactly. What is Twitter? <laughs> Who plays with Twitter anymore? It me.
2: Good time. I'm so sorry. I, I could only handle so many things at a time. Two social medias was enough.
0: And Twitter's kind of a kind of a you know, a fire Doesn't hose. Really of keep
2: things. up at it when you're gonna Twitter. <laughs>
0: you do. And even when you're not, you gotta keep up with it. That's a thing. All right. Well, everybody, you heard the man. Head to, uh, whiskopopsoda.com. Find a whiskopop on Instagram and Facebook. Don't even mess with Twitter. Just go to Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> Find those things. Well, Austin, thanks so much. And what are you going to be? What is the whiskopop, uh, beverage concoction that you have with Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow? Oh.
2: Well, I'm making some test batches right now of a uh, sparkling water that's got ginger lime and hops in it, centennial hops.
0: Mm.
2: Uh, and then we're going to have a leg of lamb that I'm going to roast, and then I'm making a demi-glaze uh, to go over that leg of lamb.
0: Great. What time should I be there?
2: Well, they, I mean, it's going to take you at least five hours to get here, so start driving.
0: Okay, sounds good. See you tomorrow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks All right. so much for your time, Amy.
0: Thanks so much, Austin. Happy Thanksgiving. Adios. All right. See, there you go. I love talking about local brands and just cool, fun, nice people doing things locally. Met, uh, you know, talked to them a long time ago on the WinTrust Business Lunch. So it's cool to update and kind of follow along with that brand and see what they're up to. And I'm not not on the take from them for real. I've gotten nothing for free. But I'm telling you that grapefruit stuff has got crack cocaine in it because it's delicious. It's so good. And I really, I do not drink soda. I really don't. So I was like, oh, these people came on. I saw that brand. I'm going to try. And I was like, what is this? Sorcery in a bottle It's delicious So anyway uh, Give that a try And like you said There's some recipes In the four packs All that good stuff Okay so here's What we're going to do We're going to take a break We're going to get you To news All those good things when we come back We're going to be talking With Heather Sharon Who is the managing editor And city hall reporter For the Daily Line We're going to be talking About the big local Political stories That we just can't forget Even if we might want to And we'll do a look ahead For 2020 Back in just a bit Here on 720 WGN Alright that was a short break so let's come right back and talk about more things. Uh, Heather's on her way up, I'm sure. So, uh, here in just about on the other side of the, uh, other side of the news break, we'll talk with Heather about those political stories I was just talking about. But then after that, we have another guest coming in, and that's Dalton Barker, who's a reporter from Crane's Chicago Business. You might have heard some conversations I've had with him on Crane's Daily Gist, which, which is a podcast I do every day for Crane's Chicago Business. And Dalton covers a lot of things, but among them, the food and beverage industry. So we're going to be talking about kind of those big food and beverage stories of 2019 and what he's going to be looking at for the year ahead my guess on that is that we cannot get through that list without talking about chicken sandwich wars
1: you absolutely cannot <laughs> the popeyes chicken sandwich took over my timeline for at least a month and a half i've still na- have you had one i haven't had one no because i i don't like mayo so there's no point in me having is there it. mayo on it yeah it's like some spice it's like this special spicy mayo that's on it oh well so you're okay yeah, but well, the sandwich was out like for months before oh, it, it picked up thing. so much traction.
0: There was a Popeyes near my house, near ish, like in my neighborhood. And every time I went by it, I was like, there are people camping outside of a Popeyes. Yes. What's happening? Yes. So I think that, I think we're definitely going to talk about the plant based meat stuff or non-meat right like the impossible whopper there's one in the thompson center and every time i've walked by there there's like a handwritten sign on a piece of cardboard that says no impossible whopper don't ask and it's like duct tape to the side all right (laughs) so i've never had one of those um i have had the meatless white castle and how'd that go you know what it was good i didn't know that's what it was Mm. they actually like the white castle people had a lot of stuff here they brought it here for I don't know what show they brought it for but they brought it so you know there's a bunch in the green room and I was like free food at work I'm doing this absolutely and I had one and I was like oh what what flavor is this one and then I found out it was it was that burger so there's that anyway we're going to be talking about that later in the 11 o'clock hour but lots of things for now it is time for news so let's do that 720 WGN hey there it's Amy Guth I'm here with you until noon filling in you know I love holiday fill-ins because it's just kind of a you know you just go with it and you just go I want to talk about anything I want and the other thing I love doing on holiday time, holiday fill in time, is you get to say what happened this year. And so who did I bring in but Heather Sharon. She is the managing editor and city hall reporter at the Daily Line. You know, her; you've read her stuff. Hi, welcome. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm glad you didn't get blown away on your way here. It's very windy outside. Oh, my God, I was not prepared for it. none of us are there were flower pots blowing around my neighborhood this morning so it's a free-for-all out there well I appreciate you coming in okay so when we are thinking and now I can't first of all I can't believe it's almost December correct it still feels like we're just getting into this year because it just flew on by
3: yes it did that's
0: a thing but also you know this time of year you kind of look back and go okay what happened this year what are those big stories and you've been super busy
3: this past year has been approximately the length of a decade Give or take. Felt
0: like a second y- yes. and also a decade at the same time. <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, I think if we're looking local, I, I, we have to start with Lightfoot and the budget. That's right. Because that's been such a big topic since the minute she walked in the door is what is she going to do?
3: And this is really sort of the end of the beginning of the Lightfoot administration. Mm. This, in addition to the teacher strike, was really sort of the, the sort of big challenges she faced when she walked into City Hall. And so we sort of know a little bit better what the city's financial outlook for the next year is. There are still a lot of unknowns, which is unusual for the day after the budget has been passed. Sure. And and so what, you know, for people who are not perhaps following it as closely
0: as you are. You know, why, why is you that? You mean
3: obsessed? Is right. that what you're saying? Obsessed and
0: basically <laughs> yes. living at City Hall. Um, wh- why Why would you say that is? What's different about this administration in that way?
3: So, it, so the city had an $838 million budget shortfall. And to put that in context, it is $200 million bigger than the deficit Rahm Emanuel faced when he took office. So this is a challenge of historic propo- proportions. And she's filling it not with the three usual options. So just like you or I in balancing our checkbook, we've really got three options. You can either make more money, cut spending or borrow money Mm -hmm. and she's doing certainly all three of those things but she's also refinancing 1.3 billion dollars in city debt to save 210 million dollars next year now the city is going to count all those savings next year but those savings won't actually materialize for more than a decade so we're sort of banking you know, uh, savings before they actually materialize, and that is a bet that the stock market s- continues to rise, and that we don't slide as an economy into a recession, and interest rates get a little bit wonky. So that's a big gamble. The other thing is, is that the city is still waiting for approximately $163 million from the federal government to reimburse the city for ambulance rides for people who are poor and indigent and qualify for federal aid. So we had been told that that money would be coming by the end of November. Well, uh here we are. Yeah. And so everybody yesterday was a little bit like we're approving this budget, but maybe we're going to have to come back and figure out what to do if this doesn't materialize because who has to sign off on this? Oh, the Trump administration, who is not maybe the biggest fan of Chicago political leadership. Sure. Donald Trump. So there's still a lot of questions.
0: Indeed. Yeah. I mean, when I saw that story pop up yesterday, OK, it's it's gotten the OK. Like it cleared the thing. It's fine. It was such a short story. Every version of it, every outlet had a really short, like, here's what we know, here's what we got. It was, And I knew, okay, some things, there still must be so much uh, that's up in the air.
3: Well, then you should subscribe to The Daily Line. Exactly right. And we will, you know, break it all down for you. That's exactly right. And so what's interesting is there were 11 no votes. Two votes came from Alderman Ray Lopez and Alderman Anthony Beal, who are sort of the old guard... Part of the city council who have been really at loggerheads with Mayor Lightfoot since the day she was elected, That's right. um, but the other nine votes came from the city council's progressive caucus and mostly new right members. Yeah, right. Eight of those votes came from rookies. Hmm. Um, and that is, I think, going to be really her big challenge for 2020 is how does she govern as a progressive? Because she says she's a progressive. She called this b- budget a progressive blueprint for 2020. How does she govern facing her strongest opposition from the city council's progressive caucus? And not just progressives, but members of the Democratic Socialists of America who really want to turn the ship of Chicago to be sort of more inclusive and to, you know, tax the wealthy and to provide more robust safety net services in terms of mental health care and affordable housing um, and to really change the way the police department operates. So these yeah. are big, you know, things that everybody's trying to do. These will be
0: big things to navigate in the year ahead, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. So we'll we'll have to see that. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of mentally making my list of what are the big things to watch in the year ahead. That's certainly one of them. Right. You know, I think another one is as we're, um, you know, it's all time. Tied together, of course, so closely, but um, Eddie Johnson's retirement, what happens there in the year ahead of who's coming in, what's happening, what that's going to look like, what the culture will be that that person sets.
3: So we know a little bit about what's going to happen after January 1st. Charlie Beck, the former... Los Angeles Police Department Chief will be the interim superintendent, and he has said that he will carry on Eddie Johnson's legacy while overseeing the implementation of the consent decree and reforms, and he has experiences in that in Los Angeles. What's interesting is that nobody I talked to at City Hall is really taking his promise not to seek the job on a permanent basis at face value. Because why would you move to Chicago? Why would you do that? Right. So he says uh, his wife has put the kibosh on it. They're not moving to Chicago. It's too cold. I imagine he would say it is too windy today. Uh, and that they're going to launch a national search for a new superintendent. But it's not like you or I could be the next superintendent of police. Right. It is a very small group of people who are qualified to lead such a huge organization facing such huge challenges. So that, I think, will really consume at least the first several months of 2020. Certainly.
0: Certainly. I think also tied in with budget is a big part of the conversation that we've been having. Uh, two, two things that keep, uh, you know, as you look back through, I, I looked back through, what did I tweet this year? What were... What was on the news sites that I look at this year? The reporters that I follow, what did they write about this year? I was kind of looking back through all that. And the things that kept coming up again and again and again and again and again were about wage and about Uber.
3: Yes, Over
0: and over. I th- and both of those so tied to budget as well.
3: Yes. So uh, it is going to be more expensive to hop in an Uber or a Lyft downtown or to get downtown. Uh, the budget includes tripling of taxes on single rides to and from the downtown and near north side and the west loop. And what we will have to see is whether that tax stands up in court. Uber is already suing Skokie, which has a similar sort of surcharge. And um, if that suit goes their way, I imagine you will see them sue the city on similar reasoning. Uh, what's interesting is that our mayor is, a, as she said yesterday, a 30-year litigator. And she said to Uber, uh, if you think you've got a court case to make, uh, bring it on. Uh, hmm. So, uh, that's interesting. But for many years during the Emanuel administration, she said that Uber and Lyft were sort of allowed to run rampant and sort of clog the downtown with all of these cars. They would circle looking for their pickup and whatnot. So it will be interesting to see if as this tax goes into effect, at least in the early months, does congestion get better downtown or does it not really have any effect? So that's also I think will be a big story as well.
0: Indeed. We're talking with Heather Sharon right now. She's the managing editor and city hall reporter at the Daily Line. You should subscribe to that. There's tons of information. At the very least, get the newsletter. You'll learn a lot just from the newsletter. We're going to take a little break. and we come back, we're going to keep talking about the big stories of 2019 and the big stories that she'll be watching in 2020. Back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. 720 WGN, it's Amy Guth with you until 12 o'clock noon, and then we turn it over to who's in? Who's happening? What's happening today at 12? I don't even know. I have no idea. The holiday schedule is always fascinating because you never know who's going to pop in the door after you. You're it's like, like who's here? It's like a Christmas gift every <laughs> time you Behind door number in. one is Oh, it's that person. Cool. Well, Looking forward to talking with whoever is on at 12, that's for sure. In the meantime, we have Heather Sharon in the studio. She is the managing editor and city hall reporter at The Daily Line, to which I hope you are subscribing. And I hope you are getting the newsletters because it's full of great information every single day. Tons of good stuff. If you want to feel like you're up on all the knowledge, because it's a fire hose out there.
3: It really is. Let's
0: not lie. It is a fire hose of information. If you like scroll through Twitter, you're like, well... I, okay, I want to go back to bed. And this is a wonderfully curated, like, here's what you need to know. Not a lot of nonsense. Just here are the facts. Here's the stuff. So We I, are
3: anti-nonsense at the Daily Line. I feel very confident in saying... That. That. <laughs> That's
0: you on your business card. Hi, I'm anti-nonsense. <laughs> I like that. Okay, well, we've been talking about the big stories of, of 2019. And of course, the big ones you're going to be watching in 2020. We started down the path of talking about, about wage, which is one I know I've talked about that many times. To this day, one of the most... Uh, violent reactions I've ever gotten from listeners is I did a two-hour special about the wage gap. You'd wow. think I set the building on fire. <laughs> <laughs> People were very uncomfortable talking about that topic. So it is no surprise that when uh, minimum wage gets discussed, especially when we start talking about tipped workers, sure, lots of feelings there, big time.
3: So the mayor's budget means that the Chicago minimum wage will rise to $15 an hour by 2021. That is faster than anywhere else in the state of Illinois, which will have a $15 minimum wage in 2025. Uh, what the budget doesn't include is an end to the tipped wage. And for those of you who sort of don't understand how it works, it's a little complicated. So if you are a server or somebody who gets tips, your employer can pay you right now six forty dollars an hour. Now, they're required to ensure that the tips you get, get bring you up to the minimum wage, which is $13 an hour right now, so that you're not working for less than the minimum wage. However, um, several aldermen, including Sophia King of the fourth ward and uh, Sue Sedlowski Garza of the 10th ward wanted to end that minimum that tipped minimum wage and to basically require everybody to be paid $15 an hour by 2021. And then tips would be on top of that. That was vociferously opposed by the Restaurant Association, as well as Mayor Lightfoot and other aldermen who said it would really throw the whole system into chaos. Now, opponents of the tipped minimum wage say it invites harassment, it invites racism, and it really keeps people and by people, I mean, mostly women of color sort of mired in poverty and there have been lots of studies that showed Mm -hmm. that you know sure there are bad actors out there but if you know that you've got to sort of flirt and be nice nice with a table absolutely i mean
0: i think all of us have worked in food service at some point i've been in that position where you're like oh these people are drunk and they're obnoxious they were drunk when they sat down they were creepy or whatever is going on you're like but if i say hey don't do that don't talk that way they're gonna say there goes your tip and then you're making you know, at the time, you know, just a couple of dollars an hour.
3: Right. So they really wanted to end that. That didn't happen. However, there is money in the budget for a feasibility study that would sort of seek to put some facts on the ground mm. for people to sort of revisit this. Uh, but it was an interesting sort of microcosm debate over what actually is progressive. Progressive's one of those words that means a lot of things to a lot of different people. And what Mayor Lightfoot said was progressive wasn't actually what other aldermen said was mm. progressive and what was interesting was that when uh, she got up to say she would vote for the budget Sue sedlowski Garza, who's a member of the Chicago Teachers Union she's a huge union supporter her dad was a labor icon in the steel mills or the you know the, and on the southwest side and she yep. said look this this is a half a loaf we're not getting everything we want but I will happily eat this half a loaf because it's more than we have right now mm-hmm. and yeah. that I think that's a powerful thing to say it, yeah. it is just sort of a microcosm of the debate that I think is going to be facing the city and we sort of struggle to figure out what does this post-Rahm Emanuel new Progressive Chicago look like?
0: Yeah, it will be interesting. I think, um, you know, obviously, when we look ahead to 2020, a lot is going to happen on January 1st. Here's this moment we're talking about casinos, we're talking about cannabis, uh, legalizing it for recreational use. You know, I was talking with John Pletz from Cranes yesterday, and he made a really excellent point because Cranes Forum is kind of taking this deep dive look at that of... You know, it's not just January 1st that we need to be looking at. We also need to be looking at May 1st when the new licenses are issued to see if that social equity applicant piece actually worked, which is very interesting for 2020.
3: Because right now, the only people who are going to be able to sell recreational marijuana on January 1st are the people who had licenses to sell medical marijuana. And by and large, those are large firms owned by white men. Yes. And that was explicitly not what state lawmakers wanted to happen when they created this bill. So there's a move among the Chicago City Council's Black Caucus to delay sale of marijuana in Chicago until July 1st, because that equity piece just isn't in there yet. I don't, Think there's a real shot of them sort of making that happen in the next 40 days, less than 40 days. But it, it gives you a sense of how angry a lot of people are that this is sort of starting out not where a lot of people want it to be in terms of benefiting black and brown Chicagoans who really suffered under the war on drugs and, and were disproportionately impacted by um, prohibition, for lack of a better word.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting that that word has resurfaced around yes. this. You know, people have said, you know, even in the, in the, the road to to legalizing recreational marijuana, the, you know, the word kept being, we've shown, it's, it's been proven, it's proven out that that prohibition doesn't work. Let's do something else, which I think is a, so interesting to see that word make this resurgence, especially here. Right. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens there. It'll be interesting. I agree with you. I don't think much will happen in 40 days to delay that, and, you know, we are starting off with a very uneven playing field. It's not going to be a level playing field. But it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's an interesting moment, right? Because we've seen a lot of things that were taboo for a long time shifting. We've seen, you know, this new attitude around sports wagering. We've seen recreational marijuana. We've seen this movement here and and nationally even where attitudes are shifting around things that 10 years ago, no way could we have had those
3: conversations. Absolutely. So it's really become sort of an accepted fact that the Chicago is going to have a casino at some point in 2020, 2021, Um, and that was really sort of a source of huge debate for many, many years. Mayor Rahm Emanuel opposed it. Uh, Governor Pat Quinn, when he was in office, he also opposed it. Didn't go anywhere under former Governor Bruce Rauner. So it's really a new era where the city has sort of said, look, we need this revenue. This is a revenue source. Why not take advantage of it? Mm -hmm. And we're also going to see a big fight next year, uh, whether they're going to change the law that sort of sets up a Chicago you know how it's taxed, whether it will be financially feasible, and then of course the sixty-four billion dollar question is: where does it go? Does it go downtown? Does it go in the neighborhoods? Does it go on the south or the west side? As an economic development uh, attempt it, there's just a huge amount of unknown questions there. Yeah, it'll be there's a lot we got a lot to do in the <laughs> yes, year ahead. That's going to be a thing. I'm I, already exhausted. <laughs> I know I was going
0: to I was going to say I I'm sorry that you got no rest in 2019 because I don't think 2020 will be much better or more restful for you. Well, thank you so much. Heather Sharon is the managing editor and city hall reporter at the Daily Line which you should be following. Thank you so much for being with us today.
3: I was thrilled to be here.
0: Happy Thanksgiving. Happy However Thanksgiving. you celebrate the day, I hope that Stuffing
3: I hope that you have a day off I I do have a day off (laughs) I
0: hope there is no news For you to have (laughs) to deal with All right Well we're going to take A little break Get you to news All that good stuff Back in just a bit Here on 720 WGN Watching texts And watching tweets This morning And so if you are Looking for links To any of the stuff That I've mentioned On the show Uh, So far or will mention in the next hour in the future, just follow me on Twitter. I'm at Amy Guth, G-U-T-H on Twitter, and I will tweet out the links to everything I talked about today after the show a little bit later this afternoon so you can find all that stuff because people are going, well, I Googled. I don't I don't find. It's fine. I got you. Don't worry. I got you. So coming up in the next hour, I would like to know what is the thing that is like the non-traditional piece of Thanksgiving food that you must eat? Some people are like, I have to wake up that morning and have a bowl of Fruit Loops. Then I can have my traditional thing. Lots of people have lots of traditions. Some people are like, I have all the regular stuff, the green bean casserole, the sweet potatoes, the mashed potatoes, the turkey, the cranberry, the this... But then I always got to put in this. So I want to know, what is that extra thing that makes your Thanksgiving super special? I want to hear from you on that. 312-981-7200. We'll be talking about that after the news. And we'll be talking with Dalton Barker from Crane's Chicago Business, who covers the food and beverage world there, about the big stories of 2019.
4: Don't want to argue.
0: I don't want to debate. Don't want to hear about what kind of food you hate. You won't get no dessert WGN It's Amy Guth With you till noon That's a blast from the past DJ Cash
1: I do what I can. I haven't listened to Weird Al in a minute. Yeah, same. I thought about (laughs) it because I knew what you were going to talk about and I'm like, hmm, what's a song that relates to what people eat? Good job.
0: Nicely done. Thank you. Well, so that, that's my question. My question to everyone is this. Let's, let's, let's get some callers going. Let's, let's have a talk here. And that is every family has their one food that they add to a i'm going to do a radio air quotes here traditional Mm -hmm. thanksgiving dinner because that means something for everybody right right i mean in in the guth family although i would like to make a sidebar this year for the first time we are all going to be under the same roof for this holiday for the first time in 21 years how do you feel about that we like each other it's not that we don't like each other right We just, you got one kid in radio, you got another kid who's a scientist off doing the things saving the planet, Mm -hmm. and then my dad was in the restaurant industry, so we it never lined up. Right. And then we all moved to different corners of the world, so, you know... So it's going to be awesome. I can't. I mean, I kind of can't believe it till we're all sitting there. Then I'm going to be like, "Wow, holy moly!" Right. That is neither here nor there. I'm sure I'll be putting things on on you know social media about. I'm
1: very that. excited to read this. It's either going to go really, really well. Or you're going to just sit there and be like, "Wow, I can do another 21 years without doing this again." So <laughs> right. See, we'll you see how this goes. In
0: 21 more years. Peace out. Right. Who knows how it's going to go? But I think it's going to be uh, a worthy experiment. It'll be fun to do that. I, so we don't even have a tradition anymore, right? Because I'm like, I, we haven't done this in so long. Right. Right. But one year, my mom, uh, my brother was a baby, and she was, you know, he was a tiny baby, and he was, like, colicky and crying and just really having a rough time, and he was teething, like, all this stuff was happening. And she was, like, cooking um, all this stuff for Thanksgiving. My dad was at the restaurant doing Thanksgiving service there, and... It all burned. She was like, you, oh. know, you know, he boiled the tops of bottles. Like, all this is happening. It was just chaos. And, and it burned. And so she just you kind know, of was crying. She was like, I can't. I'm overwhelmed. And my dad was like, I got this. So after he he was finished, he brought home some Thanksgiving leftovers from work. But then he said, we're going to do something different. And we like went to... A, we, he said, we're going to go find something open. And we found a hot dog stand open on Thanksgiving night. And we sat there and we ate hot dogs. So we... It's not as much as we eat them as we tell, we like to tell that story. Right. Even it's just to each other over the phone for the last 21 years. I love it. I like that story. <laughs> That's what we do. So um, so there's that. But what about in your family, in your household, is there an extra dish that you add to the mix?
1: Um, so there's a dish that I add to the mix that okay. no one else really goes crazy over. More for you. That's so, okay. Exactly. So being in like a biracial family, okay. uh, you know, my... Whiteside makes stuffing.
0: Uh
1: However, I went to a soul food restaurant a couple years ago and I got to experience dressing. Yes. And it's completely different dishes. It is different. So every Thanksgiving, I am struggling to get dressing because (laughs) no one in my family knows how to make it. So I'm calling all of my friends like, hey, whose mom made a ton of stuffing or dressing rather? And I can get a pan. So this year I reached out to a very far relative to ask if they can make me a special pan of dressing. And it's going to So happen. now this year, I can actually bring a pan of dressing. you got your dressing. And if no one else eats it, that's perfectly fine. It's delicious. Right. I'm just going to bring it this year because they keep saying that I'm selfish every other year. So Dude. watch now, out. You're going to stay away for 21 years. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, that might that might be my next movement. I'll be saying, I haven't seen my family in, <laughs> in 21 years, years for right? her Thanksgiving I dinner. know, right? Right?
0: Well, uh, you know, so I have a friend that she added, she kind of felt a little bit of conflict about the, you know, she was like, I don't want to not do Thanksgiving because it is a time of sitting around a table and giving thanks. And I like that. She was, but the origins... Right. Origins are terrible. Yeah. She said, and that's making me uncomfortable. I don't really know how to navigate this. So, what she does is she added a, um, she found a soup that is from like seminal, uh, Native American tradition and it is delicious. So, she has this soup that she adds. She's like, so this is a Native American type of soup that's traditional, that's still served all the time this time of year. So, That's, I mean, she's like, that doesn't make up for colonizing and genocide. However, you know, she wants to kind of give... Like pay homage. Yeah. I love that. She added that. So that's the first course is this like Seminole? type of soup that's served at the harvest time it's delicious it's really good let
1: me ask you this what time do you guys usually eat like are you like early dinner type of people well if i recall
0: 21 years ago well here's what i've been doing for the last 21 years what i've been doing is i um there are so many wonderful places that serve thanksgiving meals around Mm -hmm. the city the greater chicago food depository is in touch with a lot of organizations i know i've had them on the show many times um so they do it, but there's also just almost every neighborhood. you probably don't even know it, but there is one. So I ended up um at this one. It's on the north side, and there are people experiencing homelessness there. There are people that are just don't have anywhere to be, that just don't have family. There are people that are um, you know, elderly people on a fixed income. They don't have the means to get extra food. and and so it is a lovely community time. And so I usually go and do that in the morning and I, it's, I mean, there's 40 people there cooking and, you know, you, you serve people and you wait on them and you fill their, their drinks and you pour coffee and bring them dessert and it feels good to kind of pamper people that Maybe wouldn't get that the rest of the year, right? right and this is a kitchen that's open all the time, but that's where I landed that one Thanksgiving, and so I always would volunteer in the mornings and then usually have some fill-in shift here somewhere and do that, and then kind of have a friendsgiving sort of thing right? okay. and and um there's a great thing that my friend does that I have started doing, and that is when when you when you know you're going to someone's house, you always say, "What do you say, What can I bring?" Right, and then you end up with like five people bringing salad, or twelve people bringing wine, and you're like, I'm not going to go through all this. I bring the pop. Here's what you say, right? Bring the mixers. You're always the hero. Yep. My friend does this beautiful thing. She says, bring a bring a uh, family recipe that you'd like to share with us and tell us the story of it. Hmm. And then you end up with these beautiful stories of like, well, this is silly, but you know, my grandma always wanted this godforsaken Jello salad with you know weird stuff in it i mean which is how i ended up with a jello salad with crunched pretzels strawberries and marshmallows in my kitchen one year and but and it was was never, it good you know what actually it was cuz it was like sweet and salty and you know mm. it was good but she told this beautiful story of like her grandmother Really loved this and never had Jello, and so once she discovered it, she wanted Jello and everything. She thought it was delicious, and her grandma was like real cute and kind of childlike and sweet and and funny, and and it brought a tear to her eye to tell the story and remember her grandmother. So I was like, that's really sweet. So anyway, if you've got a recipe that you like to add to the mix. Uh, 312-981-7200. I almost gave up my own phone number for a second. I was like 773. No, that's not what we're doing. We're not calling my my house what we're doing. We're calling WGN. <laughs> that would have been a Thanksgiving I would not forget. Anyway, we're going to take a little break, continue this conversation on the other side because I have an idea for a recipe I want to test out on you guys. All right, back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. 720 WGN, it's Amy Guth with you until 12 o'clock doing the things. Here's my question to you, and we've got some callers. I want to talk to Alia's My question is this What is the thing that you have to have on the Thanksgiving table Maybe it's an extra thing Maybe it's a new take on something I mean I know somebody who brings tamales to the table Because she's like that's what I need That's what I need that oh, day I love, that. I I love need tamales my, She said I need the food of my people at my table on Thanksgiving And that's what she does And it is delicious when you get to go to her
1: house yeah. For me it's baked macaroni and cheese mm-hmm. And brown sugar glazed ham I'm with you on the brown sugar I'm like, eh, on him. I love turkey. I love
0: turkey. I think Joe might also. Hi, Joe. You're on WGN. Good morning. Good morning. What's your Thanksgiving go-to?
5: It is uh, uh, for all the turkey that's left over. Uh, it's a turkey pie. It's called turkey pie, but it's not really a pie. It's um, it's just it's turkey, turkey gravy. You heat it until warm. Uh, you put it into a 9 by 13 pan and place it in the oven at 350 degrees until it's bubbling. And then you can place the baking powder biscuits on top of it.
4: Ooh. And,
5: uh, or grand biscuits will work fine, but you got to split them because they're really thick. And then you can, uh, uh, and that's basically about it. Um, make sure that they're baked all the way through. It is a. Uh, everything
0: yeah oh that sounds good
5: the story behind it is um it was a desperation meal by my grandmother uh in 1956 or so uh there were two men that came to her farm to cut the silage and she found out about 7 p.m that they didn't they had not had any dinner and the only thing that uh she had to make was extra leftover turkeys and some uh biscuits so she made this she made this dish for them and it's pretty much become a staple for us uh, for thanksgiving
0: i love that what was your grandmother's first name evelyn grandma evelyn's turkey pie it's a thing i'm gonna make it joe that sounds so good (laughs) i'm ready to eat that right now (laughs) i love it well thanks for the call happy thanksgiving joe appreciate your time Thank you, same to you. Thanks so much. All right, let us go to another Joe. Dr. Joe, hi, what is your Thanksgiving go-to? How
4: uh, are you doing? That, and I'm in the car right now, so I hope you hear me well enough.
5: I
0: hear you. I, I make a, uh,
4: bourbon sweet potatoes.
5: Ooh. You take,
4: you take uh, four ounces of butter, four ounces of brown sugar, four ounces of bourbon to make a sauce. You, you uh, pre-cook your potatoes so that you can peel them and cut them into little hockey pucks. Lay them on a grease pan, put the sauce over it, and then the oven for about 400 for about 30 minutes. And then on top, a little some some orange zest right before you serve it. It gives it a nice little flavor.
0: That sounds delicious. Okay, I want to make that, too. That sounds so good. The orange zest, I bet, is awesome.
4: This is a recipe recipe I originally picked out of a a cookbook from Lynchburg, Tennessee. And the original recipe called for Jack Daniels, but any bourbon will do. So don't, don't
0: be particular there. Oh Well, don't worry. I'm not particular about bourbon.
4: <laughs> if, 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 if I could bend your hair just for a second. I, I I am really a doctor. And my, one of my patients is Santa Claus. And this Sunday, I am proud to say I'm one of the elves in the annual Toys for Tots motorcycle. We'll be leaving 83rd and Western about 9.15 in the morning So warn people that Western Avenue hopefully will be busy. We've had some years of 50,000 motorcycles for the parade.
0: Wow, that's so cool. Thanks so much for letting us know that, Joe. That's so cool. Where can people go to find out more about it? Just show up on Western Avenue. Well,
4: they can go to ChicagolandTFT.org is the website. And uh, the price of admission is just a toy on the back of your motorcycle. Everyone's invited.
0: That's so cool. Thanks so much for for letting us know about that. I'll be sure and tweet out that link so people can see that on Twitter. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate your time. Happy God Thanksgiving. Bless you, Thanks so much. Good day. All right. Well, that's fun. Okay. I'm here for Grandma Evelyn's turkey pie and I am definitely here for the bourbon sweet potatoes with orange zest.
1: I'm absolutely here for the sweet potatoes with the bourbon zest. But I just
0: want to recap that, that recipe. It's easy to remember. I wrote it down as he was talking four ounces of bourbon, four ounces of butter, four ounces of brown sugar. And I'm like, whoa, that is, that sounds like delicious. It's a lot of bourbon. It's a lot of bourbon.
1: Maybe, I mean, you might need that for your (laughs) So,
0: for my adventure, my twenty first time in 21 years to be with my whole family. Yeah, it could pay off. My parents and my brother. Yeah, I I might need that bourbon. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Well, I appreciate all those calls uh, and the tweets and, and the texts and all those good things about delicious things on your Thanksgiving table. I'm going to have to figure out a way. I'm going to make Grandma Evelyn's turkey pie. So thanks for Joe. And there's always sweet potatoes. You can't not have sweet potatoes. But I might have to. Douse a little bourbon and orange on them this year. That's a thing. Okay. Well, I'm going to get busy writing a grocery list. We're going to uh, go to break, get you to news, all that good stuff. On the other side of news, we're going to be talk- talking with Dalton Barker from Crane's Chicago Business. He is going to be talking with us about the top food and beverage stories of 2019 and what he's going to be looking at in the year ahead. Back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. 720 WGN. Here in just a bit, I'm going to get you to news. On the other side of news, we're going to be talking about the big food and beverage stories of 2019. And we're going to be joining. Joined by Dalton Barker from Crane's Chicago Business, and we're gonna be taking a look at what he's gonna be watching in twenty twenty one. Because you know, if you're covering stuff, you gotta you have a sense of what's coming up of what's ahead and what to be watching, so we're gonna pick his brain a bit about that. I know we are definitely going to be talking about the chicken sandwich wars because that was a thing. For
1: sure. <laughs> that was a major thing. I I've remember seeing never seen the
0: internet lose its mind over a chicken sandwich.
1: Yes. It was like I don't even remember what kicked it off. It was like one person made this funny video on Twitter about how great the sandwich was. (laughs) And then that went viral. So then they sold out within maybe a week. And people were just outraged that they didn't have the chicken sandwich anymore. I know. Then you had the argument over... Who else has a good chicken sandwich? And then the the
0: Chick-fil-A people weighed in, the Popeye's people. It right. became Chick- a thing. Chick-fil-A
1: versus Popeye's. And people got
0: mad at McDonald's. Why don't you have a good chicken sandwich? Absolutely. And it was a, then Taco Bell recently made a chicken, fried chicken thing. Yeah, like so I don't wrap. trust that
1: at all. I don't trust that at yeah. all.
0: Oh, and also Burger King made a taco. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah, definitely don't trust it's that not, either.
0: You did not go to Burger King for a taco. I, that's it. I have not had it. It might be delicious.
1: Yeah, I I don't I don't even go to Burger King. I feel like McDonald's is superior, but well maybe taste wise. That's uh you know, that's a thing to, to
0: watch because there's a lot of a lot of McDonald's news this year. I mean, we're ending this year with an with a new CEO in place at McDonalds who you know, happened overnight. I mean lots of stuff. Seven twenty WGN Amy Guth here with you till twelve o'clock. You know, it is that time of year where we're talking lots of food things, and I thank you, those of you who called in with some of your particular Thanksgiving traditions. I'm making both of those recipes that you shared with us. We're joined now by Dalton Barker, who is a reporter at Crane's Chicago Business, who sprinted, literally sprinted over here. Lots of breaking news, lots of things happening today. Busy day on on the beat covering food and beverage in that world. So as we are looking back to 2019 and the big stories that you covered this year and the big stories ahead, um, there are so many. I I feel like you, you barely got a chance to look up this year because there was so much coming at you.
6: it was true that's why i had to get a little cardio in before thanksgiving you know <laughs> that's right burn a, burn, a, burn some of that stuffing early
0: that's right sprinting literally sprinting over here to be with us on the radio today so you know i i made my little list here but i i'm curious about your list what are those big stories when, when you think of 2019 i mean immediately i go to chicken sandwich wars i go to all the changes with mcdonald's and all the legal action around wage and and sexual harassment uh, allegations and things like that and i go to all the plant-based protein It seemed like everybody was getting in on those things.
6: Absolutely. I I think that what you're seeing right now is, I have a story coming out later today about essentially the oversaturation of restaurants here in Chicago. And I think what the plant-based is kind of really trying to speak to is how do we get people through the door? I think you've seen that with Burger King, Dunkin' Donuts now has a plant-based breakfast sandwich. I think whatever it is, it's like, how do we get more and more people through the door? And that's a challenge right now because they're similar to retail. There's just too many restaurants here in Chicago, but also nationwide. So trying to get people in the door, trying to make them customers, trying to keep them coming back over and over and over again. That's just a really big challenge for restaurants. And I think the plant-based thing is, hey, if we can get vegetarians or we can get vegans or we can get flexitarians, whatever gets them through the door, let's try it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting, though, that fast food picked that first. Mm-hmm. You know, y- usually we see things in, you know, higher end settings and then it kind of trickles down to fast food. But this has been, you know, as far as, you know, vegetarian options and plant based meat it is is totally reverse of what we normally see, which is so interesting because here it started in fast food and still, you know, I, excuse me, I'm not a vegetarian, but, but some of my good friends are, and they, they've even noted to me, you know, often the thing that you get at a restaurant is like the vegetable pasta.
6: Exactly. I think that what you're seeing, not only in, I think you're seeing this aggressively in kind of two different spots. Canagra has really bought into this idea of flexitarian. They're here in Chicago. Um, So your consumer products companies, your Kraft Heinz or your Conagra's, they're really pushing into this space, and fast food is also pushing aggressively into this Mm -hmm. space. And I think that's both because across the board, those areas are a little bit struggling to try to get a foothold of, hey, people basically ate similar foods from the end of World War II all the way up to sometime in the mid-2000s, late 2000s. So how do we get this next generation how do we target the 20 year old how do we target the 29 year old who maybe eats meat you know twice a week or three times a week but they want some of those veg- vegetarian or vegan options how do we cater to those people and be relevant to them and i think that that's really what the fast food and the, and the consumer product companies are trying to get they're trying to establish long-term relationships like they did after world war 2 with the mass movement to the, the suburbs and feeding people with those you know craft Mm-hmm. Craft singles and yeah. this and that, you know, just your, your standard happy meal. It, it, it's starting to shift, and I think they want to be ahead of the curve to form those long-term relationships with the customer.
0: And it seems like food is doing what we saw manufactured goods do just a couple of years ago, right? Suddenly, it was it was less special to have a mass-produced item that, like, oh, look, I have the same couch my neighbor does. And it was more about, like, I have this special, you know, I mean, the word artisan was everywhere. I mean, it was even on bread bags. Like, everything was suddenly artisan. And we started kind of seeing that creep into food, I think. And that's maybe where we are in the dining experience end of that.
6: Exactly. I mean, if you think about it, you go to a McDonald's nowadays, right? You go to the kiosk, you order whatever sandwich you want. You have basically limitless abilities to customize that sandwich to exactly what you want. And I think what that's what they're trying to say is, hey, we're going to let you kind of take the lead here about what you want to eat. Obviously, there's downsides to that too because you have so much product specialization. You can't roll anything out because you can't have a million items for a million people, right? Mm-hmm. But it's having a little bit of flexibility on the product side, but also having the flexibility and saying, hey, vegans, vegetarians, you can eat this too, along with people that, hey, I'm just going to skip out meat for this day. I think you're really starting to see that. I, th- I think the big challenge will be for especially for our mcdonald's of the world how do we get the supply chain built out so that we can supply all of our stores you saw that already this year with popeyes it took them three months to get the chicken sandwiches which if you kind of look yeah. which was very interesting from the time a uh, a chiclet is born to when they're ready for processing is 90 days they were basically offline for three months. So I don't know if that was exactly it, but that, I wow. remember catching that and being like, oh, that's really interesting. Did they completely run out of their entire supply chain? There's just no chicken Yeah, to there's found. just no chicken to be found. Wow. And, and you got to think Popeye's is...
3: They do chicken. Much, yes, but That's they're their thing. <laughs> exactly, and
6: they're much, much, much smaller than a McDonald's. Yeah. So I think if you're going to see McDonald's really move into this plant-based thing, which I've talked with some sources, they believe it's going to happen in mm-hmm. 2020. They have a lot more stores. You're going to have to really have that supply chain built out because if McDonald's rolls it out, now it's we have a, yeah we have a real big game changer.
0: Yeah. I mean, it it will be interesting. I think you've you've reported this number before. It's what fourteen thousand stores in in the U.S. or North America.
6: Yep, yep, in North America. Yeah, so so that's a lot. That's a
0: lot to have to contend with. And then McDonald's has they tested a plant based meat in Canada
6: and in Germany. So they've done they've done two different locations. Um, I think what they're trying to figure out is if how do we how do we kind of get the right the right menu the right you know how do we assemble this and get it right how does it work within the kitchen i think that's mm-hmm. another really big thing someone who came out i read a funny article about uh, a vegan group got really mad because they were cooking the plant-based burgers at burger King, i believe on on the same grill that they cooked the meat and it's like well these kitchens are not designed to yeah. have one grill for each different thing it's it's a flat top grill Have you ever been to you know a diner you know how it's all it's made everything. it's all it's everything on the same thing so I think McDonald's is trying to test this out in different markets internationally and trying to figure out, hey, how can we roll this out nationally? Um, How can we really come into when we roll this out that it it attracts a buzz? It gets people in the store because that's really what you're doing. All these product innovations. How do we get more people through the door?
0: Mm -hmm. Which kind of leads to another story I feel like that we talked about a lot this year. And that was the Grubhub and the Uber Eats and all of those food delivery services and apps. Such a big conversation there, kind of culminating in just this week, the New York City Council saying, "All right, get it together."
6: Yeah, I think that this is a really hard business model. And I think that uh, I've read some really interesting articles about essentially all the people my age, which I'm 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 29, so I'm I'm right in that millennial group, has been really basically subsidized by venture capitalists. You know, your Grubhubs, your e your Uber that you take, uh, some of the different services, Instacart, all these different things really don't make money. And there's really not a moat. That's you know, an interesting point. Warren Buffett yeah. always talks about, you know, building a moat around your business, right? Well, having someone pick up food and deliver it somewhere else, that's not a new business model. Having an app around it or having something that's not a new you know, I mean the app is one thing, but as you can see, all these DoorDash Uber Eats, they all have pretty good apps. They all work mm-hmm. pretty well. And so a lot of this business model has been subsidized. So my, my biggest thing that I'm curious about is what happens when the subsidization ends, and all of a sudden the three or four dollar delivery fee goes up to eleven dollars or ten dollars or whatever it is to break even on that marginal unit. And I think that's a really big question. And, and you've already seen Grub, you know, Grubhub come out and say, "Oh, this is a really tough business model." It's like, yes, yes, it is. Oh,
0: they all but admitted a couple of yes. weeks ago, like. This is not working. I love the, <laughs> I think,
6: I don't want to, I don't want to misquote this, but I believe they use the word promiscuous users. That's right. Promiscuous and I, I, I really like that because, like, <laughs> you know, and I, I admit, you know, I, when I go up to an Uber or Lyft, I, you know what I want to take? I, f- I pull up both apps. I look at whichever way I'm going to the same spot, which one ever is cheaper. I choose that right. one. It's that simple. Right. And I think that all these different delivery services are realizing that too. It's not like you're just using DoorDash or just Uber Eats or just using GrubHub. It's like, What's the one that has the best options and what yeah. I want for that night and what's going to deliver it the cheapest?
0: And the fastest. Like yes. if, that's got, if if Grubhub's got a two-hour wait and this one can give me this in 15 minutes, I'm going there. Absolutely. That's worth two extra bucks to me, right? Exactly. So there's that. I mean, I've got my own issues with delivery because I feel bad. i will mm-hmm. just like, I'll go get it. It's fine. I feel bad. Yeah. So there's that. I think the other interesting part of Grubhub in particular... Is um at, they're saying, hey, we spend all this money to market your restaurant for you. We're getting people in the door, and then here comes the New York City Council with this data saying that's not accurate. You're more, you're less likely to go to the restaurant if you know they have app service delivery.
6: Yeah, and I I, I don't know if I've seen any hard data on this, but if you're always you know getting delivery from you know four or five different spots. Are you a real regular to those spots in terms of if you're a regular of you know we've always known this idea that you know restaurant industry kind of thrives on the people that come in basically Monday through Thursday mm-hmm. right the weekends you know most restaurants can fill up on the front the Thursday nights the Fridays the Saturdays but it's during that midweek and you bring in customers and a lot of the times that's regulars that are coming in there kind of fueling that cash flow sure. But are you a regular if you just pull up I want Indian food tonight, or I want pizza, right. and you're just looking at the what's the lowest price and what's the fastest. Like you yeah. said, what's the? I'm really hungry right now. I want the pizza in 20 minutes. Can I get into it? Are you, you're shooting, There's t- there's ten different options. They yeah. all probably have decent ratings. I'll just pick one.
0: I think it'll be really interesting in the year or two ahead. To look at how that shifts Because I think a shift is badly needed You know we saw we saw that touch A lot of parts of this business I mean McDonald's kind of laid off Of franchisees a little saying okay you don't Have to use Uber Eats you can kind of make your Own deal we've seen restaurants Push back and saying hey up, upwards of 33 percent of our of, of Commissions that's a lot To be paying we're not we're already in A low margin business you know we've seen Data privacy issues even we've seen Restaurants saying hey you're you're routing calls to your call center instead of us, like I think there's just a lot of pieces there, even into like open table for reservations of, mm-hmm. of people kind of saying, "Well, we've got your data. Do you, do you, you have to keep working with us?" To, to saying that to restaurant owners,
6: I think the big question the gig economy is, can you make money doing this? Indeed. And we have not seen any of these com- for for the most part, we have not seen the Ubers actually turn a profit. And granted, there, it looks like public markets are giving them a chance to do that. But I think that will be the big question moving forward.
0: I agree. And I think SoftBank, you know, the, here's this Uber backer and we work and we saw how those two things went. So it'll be really interesting. We're talking with Dalton Barker. He is a reporter at Crane's Chicago Business about the top food and beverage stories of 2019 and looking ahead to the big stories he's going to be watching in 2020. Back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. Amy Guth here with you until 12 o'clock. We've got lots more stuff coming up for you later in the day, of course. But we are joined right now by Dalton Barker, who is in studio with us. He reports on many things over at Crane's Chicago Business, one of those things being the food and beverage industry, which has been a big year for that. We've talked a little bit about the chicken sandwich wars. We've talked a bit about McDonald's and, of course, food delivery. And, you know, I think a piece of that we didn't touch on with food delivery was also we a thing we saw this year was kind of the virtual restaurant of Of We're only going to deliver from this restaurant, but we won't have a physical location, which is kind of an interesting interesting new thing. We even saw Let Us Entertain You kind of dabbling
6: in that space. Exactly. I think that what you're seeing is there's a lot of cost constraints in the restaurant industry right now from higher labor costs, higher food costs, higher rent costs, uh, particularly here in Chicago that's unique to us, higher property taxes talks, property taxes, which gets translated down into higher rents. And if you really look at a lot of the, I I find it really fascinating that if you look at a lot of the restaurants, everybody knows about the Fulton markets, the Streetervilles, the River Norths, right? Look at where Parachute's at, Avondale. Look at where a lot of these new restaurants are at, Logan Square. Logan Square is basically becoming the second Fulton market. Well, Logan Square is still much, much, much more affordable than the Fulton markets. And I think what you're seeing with the virtual restaurant model is, hey, delivery is costing us. Operating a dining room is costing us with the labor. So we can build a virtual restaurant in a cheaper part of town and just deliver here and just have Different restaurant or different uh, restaurant options. You know, we can do pizza here, we can do sushi here, we can do pasta here, and we can operate it in a cheaper part of town and then deliver. It's not like anyone's um any wiser than that. Yeah, it's as long as the food's good and it's quality, and it comes warm and it comes on time. People are happy with that, and I think it's a way for a lot of these different. I think lettuce is going into this. Some of the different um, operators are, are looking into this because it's a way to hey, how do we get into this delivery space? But how do we get into it and still make money? And make Mm -hmm. a good margin that we're used to in a more traditional restaurant and so i think that the virtual restaurants you've seen this uh it's getting really big out in in san francisco because of a lot of their problems that everyone knows about it with with rent costs and and labor costs and i think you're going to start seeing this more and more i just saw a statistic the other day that i have in a story coming out later today since 2014 till now the employment the restaurant employment um figures here in chicago the number of people employed in restaurants and bars has gone up by 30%. Wow. Yes. That's so, so, okay. And we also nationally are now, you know, sub 4% unemployment. We also have minimum wage here in Chicago mm-hmm. going up. All these different factors mm-hmm. are making it harder and harder to run restaurants, right? And there's multiple people I've gotten on and off the record saying, you know, it's difficult to run a restaurant these yeah. days. And you know, there's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of things that are getting squeezed. And I think that the virtual restaurant thing is most likely here to stay, especially if delivery continues to grow with, with people you know under 35
0: sure yeah and, and you and I talked about this recently on on Cranes daily just about just how hard it is and how small those surprisingly small the margins are when you're running a
6: restaurant three to five percent
0: I mean that's three to five percent you you think about oh this person owns a restaurant that's big glamorous money no 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 it's hard work
6: exactly I mean, I mean I'm from
0: a restaurant family I know
6: <laughs> exactly and I, I mean we, we talk about all the time about we, like we've talked about with Mariano's it's you know your traditional grocery stores one to three percent so three to five I mean uh, this is not you know 25 to 30 percent margins on these things where you know and i think that that maybe whatever it is people think that the restaurant life is this high life and people
0: uh, think that about journalism too to be fair I
6: don't know who thinks that jokes on
0: them I know I'm like you're welcome to look at my W2 and laugh all the way (laughs) indeed well okay you brought up another thing that I definitely am going to be watching in 2020 and that is uh, Mariano's you've reported a lot on that they now Kroger is their parent company a lot of people pushed back saying hey I kind of liked walking around my grocery store with the wine glass now it's not the same it's not the same place Place. I miss that olive bar. I miss the things.
6: Yeah, and, and when you really look at Kroger's, and we don't really know um, exactly how Kroger's will continue to influence not only Mariana's, but at Roundy's and all its other subsidiary stores. But here's just the facts the facts are Kroger's is struggling. Kroger's just launched a national and campaign with DDBO, which is their very first outside marketing group that they've ever used in their history. And I forget which the Which ex- to
0: me is a big tell.
6: It, uh, it's a massive tell. It's a massive tell. It's saying. What we're doing in-house is not working. We gotta go somewhere else. We need something fresh. And this is a national ad campaign. And I believe the company, off the top of my head, it's sometime, it was established in Cincinnati sometime in the, in the late 19th century. So to go through the whole 20th century and, and 20, almost 20 years into the 21st century, and you've never had really outside help for advertising and now you're bringing in, Like you said, it's a big tale.
0: That's a big tale. All right. Well, lots of things. Everybody, follow Dalton Barker at Crane's Chicago Business and on social media. And of course, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, I'm going to tweet out links to all the things that we talked about. I have to remember all the things we talked about. We covered a lot of ground. Uh, But indeed, lots of food stories this past year. And I think no rest for you this year because there's just tons more already happening. Big stories. McDonald's, Mariano's, all that stuff. Lots and lots. So rest a lot tomorrow. I think there's a big 2020 ahead. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks, Amy.